Hello and welcome to Judge a Blank by its cover, a Little City Library podcast. I'm Bellette. And I'm Pete. We're librarians at the Mary Riley Styles Public Library in the city of Falls Church. And this is our media review podcast where we attempt to predict what a material is about based on the cover. For this episode, we judge the 2019 film VHS, directed by Jack Henry Robbins, available via Canopy. We've posted a photo of the poster on our Instagram page, at Little City Library, for you to check out so you can judge right along with us. Well, Pete, based on the cover, what is your best guess to what this film is about? Okay, well, it's an extremely busy collage of people interspersed with cartoon VHS tape recorder machinery. There's colored wires snaking around people who are making goofy faces and poses. And the whole thing is set against an outer space background with what appear to be spaceships in the top right next to the title. In the center left is pictured a large VHS tape with the label Ralph's Tape. The whole poster has been made to look like a beat up old VHS tape one might find at an old video rental store with a sticker in the bottom right that reads cult comedy. And looking for clues as to what this film might be about, uh, I fixated on the VHS tape and the space background. These images brought to mind a homemade science fiction movie a la the one that Bob and Doug McKenzie make in the 1983 film Strange Brew, entitled The Mutants of 2051 AD. Perhaps Ralph has made a similarly low-budget, terrible Star Wars knockoff and it has somehow gotten mixed up with the other offerings at a video store. Against all odds, the film becomes a hit and elevates the video store to stardom. But there's only one problem. Nobody knows who Ralph is. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, love this prediction. I think it would make a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, don't, I think I'm, you know, I'm in a kind of a rut where I'm just going too specific with my predictions. Extremely specific. <laughs> yeah. What did you think based on your cover judgment there, Bolette? Well, I went the opposite direction of you and went a little more vague. This poster, as you mentioned, is pretty chaotic. It's hard to focus in on any one part. There are many people photoshopped together into a small space, all overlapping with a variety of different facial expressions and body language. They all look like they were photoshopped out of a VHS video based on the quality and color tones as well as some of the visual aesthetics of these different images, especially the clothing. We also have a lot of wires protruding from mouths coming out of heads, most of which collect around this VHS tape labeled Ralph's tape. And fun fact, I always kind of thought that VHSs were a super 90 thing, but they came out in 1977, Pete. And they're actually a super 80s thing that carried into the 90s. And when I found that out, that changed the context of my prediction a little bit. The fact that this is a 2019 film, though, threw me for a loop in developing my prediction. In the last few years, we've had a lot of media that celebrated and captures on the nostalgia of the 80s. So perhaps I thought this was another tribute to that. And with that in mind, I decided that this is a film about a guy named Ralph who is perhaps a little too obsessed with the virtual world. The wires protruding from individuals on the cover led me to believe he is more tuned in with his videos than with the people around him. The tape labeled Ralph's tape makes me think that maybe it isn't just watching videos that he's obsessed with, but also making them and that these videos are getting in the way of his real life. Wow, that's very well done, Bolette. I think that's a pretty strong prediction. It is, but I, I will admit right off the bat, the way I was thinking about it, yes, it applies to the film, but it's not at all what I expected from the film, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about what this film is actually about? So it's kind of a found footage style dramedy featuring a boy named Ralph who has recorded over his parents' wedding day tape. Ralph films himself and his friend Josh, but mostly he records weird late night TV. The bulk of the film is a Kentucky Fried movie style montage of weird late night TV programming comedy skits in the style of 1980s infomercials, movies, and cable access shows. 
Now and again, wedding footage pops up in addition to contemporary scenes of the family that reveal some family dysfunction. The film culminates in a Blair Witch-style investigation by Ralph and Josh of a supposedly haunted sorority house that leads to a supernatural reckoning with Josh's family situation. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much covers it. The description on Canopy is Ralph tapes over his parents' wedding video, and that's it. I think (laughs) your description is better. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting film. And as you mentioned, it really capitalizes on maybe the current fascination, especially among younger people, millennials and people around that age with analog things. You know, there's a a website that's very popular now that sells music called Bandcamp. And you can get the things digitally, but you can also get records and cassette tapes, which to me is amazing. As somebody who used to buy cassette tapes as the primary way I listened to music, I was pretty happy when they were gone. I do... I do have a little bit of nostalgia for them now and I see them in a like a Salvation Army I might like pick one up and look at it and be like oh look at that but I can't imagine ever buying a tape player but then again it might be more interesting and I noticed that the director of this film Jack Henry Robbins was born in 1989 so he might have been coming of age you know really at the tail end of analog's long run and maybe for this reason he had this kind of fascination with these things but as somebody who grew up in the 80s all of this stuff was really pretty spot on the film actually was filmed on vhs and digital betamax but in addition to that they do a really good job with the aesthetic of vhs distortion like the lines that you get that's when your vhs recorder would say tracking and try to like fix whatever was going on and the way it looks when you edit different pieces of recordings together and how they sort of bleed in and out was very well done as well and of course the actual programming the cable access show there's one one that's kind of a la a Bob Ross painting show with a woman named Joan who reveals herself to be kind of unstable, very unstable. Oh, I love the Joan. End. <laughs> the film and these kind of infomercials and exercise shows and a lot of this stuff that was really very 1980s and so it was very familiar and I think the film did a good job of imitating it what did you think I think yes I think because this was all before your time (laughs) yeah the director is one year older than me so while I was watching it I think that some of the humor and things they were going for wasn't necessarily cliche but sometimes it felt a little lazy I really did enjoy the Bob Rosk-esque show painting with Joan that evolved into like plumbing with Joan and sleeping with Joan and it's just literally (laughs) following Joan around constantly as she lives her life and she's insane. I think there's a theme of content consuming and the effect that has on humanity which is a pretty broad and heavy-handed theme throughout content as this escapist fantasy as well as the coming-of-age themes the illusions of a childhood broken as this kid learns his parents' marriage isn't what he thought and the symbolism of him filming over his parents' wedding video as he watches it fall apart, which was kind of an interesting idea. I did like that. Again, a little heavy-handed at times, but I liked the way this film took different threads and tried to weave them together. I don't know how successful it was in doing that by the end. I feel like some of these skits definitely tie into the end game of the film, while some just don't at all, which left me thinking about the tone. Like, does this want to be a silly movie? Which if it does, that's fine. Or does it want to dissect the dependence on devices, television, and pop culture that we all have or feel? It just doesn't strike the right balance of satire for me. So it just seemed like silly skits a lot of time trying to express an elevated message that didn't quite fit the tone. 
Yeah, that's very well said. There's a lot of half-baked, silly skits, but then there's some very serious, heart-rending family dysfunction and a kid who's watching his parents' marriage fall apart, and it doesn't really fit well together. And actually, it kind of reminded me of the last film we watched, Holy Motors, where you have this really fraught interaction between a father and daughter who aren't communicating well next to these crazy skits of Monsieur Merd running through the sewers and whatnot. And it's kind of jarring, but in this film, you're right. It's not quite seamless. And so it, it's kind of a weird feeling because when you're watching something that's like sort of meant to entertain and be silly, you're not really prepared, I think, to get deep into some of these things that you're talking about, how people use media to escape. And, and actually Ralph escapes, but he also sort of comes to some realizations through this escapist behavior, which, which is an interesting theme, but it was kind of disorienting following him on this journey. Journey. Yeah, and I actually noted the similar nature to Holy Motors in a couple of other different ways. In terms of the narratives, Holy Motors had these two features, the limo with the sense of stability that that brought to the narrative, and then all of these unpredictable jobs that this gentleman was doing. And VHS tries to do the same thing, but it has three strands to the narrative. You have the parents' wedding tape, which kind of acts as a base to the story. You have Ralph's tape, which is him just living his life and him catching negative aspects of his family relationships as well. And then you have the TV spoofs, and these are all cut together throughout. So it's it's not quite as unpredictable as Holy Motors, but the narrative is jumpy in a similar way, though I, again, don't think those threads come together as well as Holy Motors. Maybe it's just because it didn't commit to no narrative arc in the way that Holy Motors did, which could have been its downfall. Maybe if it had focused either more on the narrative story it was trying to tell or less, it might have been more successful. That's yeah, an interesting idea. Just don't even try to bring it all together. In addition, there were some other themes. You know, you mentioned there's one show that's sort of like a talking heads show that you might see on cable access, kind of like that Zach Galifianakis spoof between two ferns. But it's a man interviewing a woman about media and, in her opinion, the disruptive effect of camcorders. And then she starts predicting that everyone's going to have a camera on their person at all times. It's funny because it's also another theme that they talk about in yeah. Holy Motors. Yeah. <laughs> But this sort of premonition of social media and everyone having smartphones is kind of like a theme in the movie where they create these little skits, which are foreshadowing of things that we are really consumed with now. And there's one on global warming, which is actually done through like an, an edited pornographic film. There's like a little short one on wealth inequality, privatizing prisons, and then even one on immigration. And so it's kind of interesting because this director is taking these things that were dealing with now and sort of putting them back into the 80s. And as a kid, I don't remember seeing anything about any of these themes. In the 80s, I remember acid rain was something that people were afraid of, but I wasn't watching C-SPAN or anything back then. So maybe they were talking about this, but obviously it's stuff that was going on or the seeds of it were going on, but I don't remember it being in popular culture. So it's kind of interesting seeing these contemporary themes backdated into these 80s kinds of programs. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research and actually the director had done a short film called Hot Winter. So I, I guess he took some of that footage, put it in here. He also did some shorts with Joan that he popped in here as well. So it seems like he took bits and pieces of some of the films he worked on in the past to come up with this final product. Which is again, kind of like Leo's car accident, Holy Motors, not to keep working yeah. on this, but he had all these, you know, 11 different things that he was thinking of doing, which he ended up making in, into a film. And, you know, similar to what you were saying, 
saying about the three strands of this film not really coming together because they're so different. I'd say that the tone was a kind of weird and maybe off on these skits that were dealing with things like climate change, but done in like a weird, campy sort of porno setting. It's kind of hard to take climate change lightly. I, mean, I think you can do it, maybe, but th this was just so odd. I guess maybe it was supposed to feel unsettling. I know that there's a lot of humor these days that's sort of like intentionally awkward and makes you cringe, and some people like that feeling. And there's skit comedy like Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great Job, and they'll have these whole minutes-long digressions that really have very little to do with comedy and sometimes are more like sort of horror or surrealist nightmare Mm -hmm. than actual comedy skits that you would be used to seeing. And a lot of this, I think, was kind of similar to that, sort of like a nightmare. And towards the end, it is actually more like a horror movie than a comedy. So it's definitely a weird mix of stuff. But that said, there were some parts that really made me laugh. You mentioned Joan, and she's funny. And the actress who plays Joan is Carrie Kenny. And along with Thomas Lennon, these two were on that old MTV show, The State, which you may or may not have seen, but it was a skit comedy show and it was pretty funny. And this scene where she is painting, you know, she's talking about like making snow on the mountain and so forth. And then the camera pans out. And I think it was after she was talking about spaceships she was painting. And there's this picture of Dennis Rodman <laughs> and her in this like a graphic pose in the bottom left and it was just so surprising and I just like, busted out laughing were there any scenes that you found entertaining funny even in this film but... well one of the ones that kind of set the tone I was like okay it's this kind of movie was the absolutely insane commercial for umbral security systems where you've got this kid in bed and the mom says well I'm going out I'll be back don't worry and the kid says well come home soon I've got a bad feeling you know it's very over the top and then cuts to the mother leaving and a burglar outside the house. Very overdramatic. This kind of commercial, like, if you don't have umbral security, your family's going to pay type thing. That whole scene kind of goes bonkers where this kid is just in the middle of a shootout, basically, in her bedroom with umbral security and the burglar. And she's just overjoyed that they got there to save her when in reality, this is just a horribly violent situation. That set the tone for me. And at first I was absolutely horrified when I saw it, but as it went on, I, I did become amused. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. It's, it's almost like the director is working on these impulses that are at opposite ends of the spectrum. So they're both firing, but the impulse to be horrified and the impulse to laugh, like fire into each other and you're left with this odd feeling. Yes, the girl's sitting in bed, thumbs up, blood on her face from the shootout. And she's like, thanks on both securities. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Another one I did like, I enjoyed the antique roadshow, especially in the beginning where he's giving this kind of dark history on this bowl. And it's like, oh yeah, it was used to collect hearts during surgery. Probably 150 people died. And he looks closer and he goes, oh, no, actually, it's just a bowl. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that was good because it went the opposite direction. It started out like really dark and gross and then became more lighthearted. Or somebody brought in a folding chair, just like a regular folding chair. <laughs> like, this is just a chair. Yeah. So a couple moments like that where they play on your expectations pretty well. Yeah, but this is definitely not a knee slapper. Yeah, not a lot of it was necessarily cliche. It just wasn't amusing to me. Yeah. Another bit of trivia that I noticed on the IMDb page was that the director is Tim Robinson, Susan Sarandon's yeah. uh, son. And they appear in the film 
Susan Sarandon really in just a brief cameo and Tim Robbins in more of an extended couple of cameos, which was really odd to see, but makes sense now that you know that he is their son. So Bullet, would you recommend this film? That's a little tough for me. It's not funny enough for me to want to recommend it to someone. It's also not introspective enough for me to feel like I should recommend it based on that. And because those are two separate ideas in this that don't really meld well, I just don't feel like either one is strong enough for me to recommend it to the two different people who would like those different threads. Yeah, that's well put. I think that one other group who might be interested in this film, and I could include myself, is just Generation X, Generation Z people who grew up with this kind of technology and remember these kind of programs. It's kind of interesting and fun to recall. This brought back a lot of memories. I'm from around the DMV area, and when I grew up, there was Channel 50, and they used to have this show. It was on, I think, after 10 p.m., or maybe it was after midnight, and they called it Shocking Theater, and they would play these weird movies. And my friend and I would always try to stay up and watch them. And usually we'd fall asleep, but maybe we'd watch, you know, the first 20 minutes of some bizarre sequel to a Godzilla movie or something like that. And then I also remember a friend of mine getting a camcorder and bringing it over and us making these sort of homages to our favorite kung fu movies and science fiction movies. And it was a lot of fun. And there's something about seeing yourself on film for the first time in those days when it wasn't ubiquitous. It was just fascinating. I remember my friend had brought the camcorder down to the basement where we were just watching TV and he had forgotten to turn it off and he just <laughs> left the camcorder filming myself and my friend just eating chips and there was like 30 minutes of us eating chips and we took out the tape and we're like oh we kept filming and somehow that was hilarious watching ourselves <laughs> eat chips was the funniest thing <laughs> And so I think it was just fascination with seeing yourself and the way you looked on film. So I guess this film sort of reminded me of those days, the beginning of people just having cameras and funny, goofy cable access shows. You know, now we've got funny, goofy podcasts. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm being hard on the film because I wanted more from the humor aspect of it, I guess. Well, I, I was actually about to make another comparison to Holy Motors, <laughs> which I'm sorry about, but... Deeply affected us. Completely. It really did. Well, see, that's the interesting <laughs> thing about Holy Motors was one when I was watching it, I was like, what am I doing with my life? And then when I was done, I was like, okay, this was kind of interesting. And on letting it settle a little, it grew on me. Versus this film, when I was watching it, I was like, this is fine. And now that it's over and I'm looking back on it, I'm like, what were they trying to do with this? So it's almost like this opposite effect from Holy Motors. But it's interesting that we've watched these two films so close together when they both focus on jumping around in different narratives almost. Yeah, somehow Holy Motors pulls it off. And this film, it, it's like you took a bite of a chocolate bar and then you ate a bite of spaghetti with tomato sauce. You know, the themes of like family dysfunction combined with goofy comedy and then dystopian themes of climate change all that mixed together is just kind of a mess so yeah i can only recommend it on the merits of like vhs nostalgia i'd have to say or just like pure curiosity because it is an interesting cast of actors and the one thing that we also didn't mention is the film features a soundtrack by the singer natalie Maring, who goes by 
by Waze Blood. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. This is the first time I'd heard her, but it was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. One of the shows is this young woman who like lives with her parents and is trying to have this edgy live music performance show and her parents just keep, you know, embarrassing her and taking pictures and they're older and are asking really dorky questions and so forth. But Waze Blood performs at the end and it's actually a very touching and beautiful kind of folk song that I enjoyed, which again sort of felt really out of place. But in keeping with that, you're just flipping through the channels and you get what you get kind of feeling. So that's something to recommend the movie as well. Yeah, I suppose if you look at it like you're flipping through the channels and you get what you get, that could also be a theme of the movie. And maybe we are being too hard on it. Maybe it doesn't have to thread together like we want it to. Although I think it could have been stronger if more of the shows that we start flipping through have threads that tie it to the end game narrative. Yeah, and the end narrative does feature a lot of those characters in sort of cameo roles. But well, we'll leave it to the viewer as to whether it actually pulls it off. You can probably tell what we think about it. (laughs) Were we that obvious in our (laughs) podcast where we talk about how we feel about things? So Pete and I have been thinking about the new library recently, which is currently under construction. And we will have six beautiful arch windows in our new building, three on Park Avenue and three on North Virginia. We were thinking it would be kind of fun to start rating the films or the books or whatever we're looking at on a scale of one to six arches. Six being a fantastic piece of media, one being something we'd rather forget we've watched or read. So Pete... How many arches out of six would you give this film? I guess I can't give half arches because those wouldn't be load-bearing, right? <laughs> yeah, our, we are very specific and that all of our arches must be load-bearing. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, in that case, I am going to have to give this film three arches. And I'm really just doing that on the strength of my own personal nostalgia and how well done it was in this film for all things analog and VHS the dearth of the remaining arches really due to the kind of confusion of the story and the conflicting aspects of the genres that are employed by the director. What about you, Bullet? I suppose if you can't give half arches, then I can't either, huh? I would like to give it two and a half arches, (laughs) but I will give it three as well. I know I've been perhaps harder on it than you have throughout, but that's just because I believe in it. You know, I believe it could have been better. So I will give it still a solid three. There's some fun stuff in there. I think it's really cool that they filmed it on VHS and Betamax. And it just didn't come out quite like you want, but I don't think it's totally void of any value. Yeah, I agree. And almost everything that's on Canopy is at least interesting. And this is certainly interesting. And I would be curious to see what this director comes up with in the future. I think this is one of his first feature film efforts. So So there you go. As our listeners know, Pete and I have been humbly deciding who got closer to guessing the plot based on our cover or poster judgment since we started this podcast. But we've decided to shake things up a bit and take that decision out of our hands. That brings me to introducing a new member of the podcast, Steve. Steve works in our tech services department. They're the crew that, among many other things, catalog new books, meaning that Steve and his team sees and handles pretty much everything that comes into the library. Steve is going to be fully joining the podcast starting in the next episode. He'll be choosing material for Pete and I to judge, as well as reading or watching those same materials so that he can judge our judgment to dole out fair victories. While he wasn't able to join our discussion for VHS, he did watch the film and is prepared to select a winner today. So without further ado, I'd like to officially welcome Steve to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'll just jump right in here and say that uh, I've looked at the way that each of you predicted the movie would go based on the cover art, and there's a clear winner 
But let me just say before I get to that, it's a very interesting <laughs> movie. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's a lot of vignettes. I think that there is something in the movie about how the VHS recording kind of changed the way that, that Ralph looked at things. I do think that there's a little bit about technology and a little bit about things being transient, disposable, that sort of thing. I do think that there's a little bit about how Ralph becomes so obsessed with video recording that he kind of loses track of enjoying things in person. And that leads me to my verdict, because that really leans toward Bellet. Yes! Well, that really kind of nailed that part of it. You know, Pete, the science fiction aspect, I'd like to see that movie made. That's <laughs> what we always say when Pete makes a prediction like this. It should be a movie. But I didn't see it in this movie. As usual, so, I just kind of went off on my own. But yeah, I can't, I, I'm not going to try to appeal this judgment. It seems, it seems fair. Yeah, you need to, you need to work harder next time. <laughs> Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate the victory and I will take it. Thanks, Steve. I, I will indeed uh, work harder on my visual dissection of movie posters in the future. And I'll, I'll try not to get carried away, especially with the science fiction themes. Before we tune out, we want to give special thanks to the band Zombie Zombie for giving us permission to use their song, Psychic Harmonia 2, in our intro and outro. We'll hear that catchy tune in just a moment. But for now, thanks for joining us for Judge a Blank by its cover, Little City Library podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Bullet. Don't forget to join us next month. In the meantime, for what it's worth, you have our permission to keep on judging. For this episode, we judge the 2019 film YH Yes, directed by Jack Henry Robbins. Wait, available... Bullet, it's, it's VH Yes. Like VHS. Did I say that? What did I you say? said YH. <laughs> don't forget to judge us next month. In the meantime, for what it's worth, you have our permission to keep on judging. You said don't forget to judge us next month. What? <laughs> Wait. Oh, I turned off my camera instead of stopping recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh.